funding for Still Newtown is made possible in part by a grant from Connecticut Humanities. I met Camille Paradis at the local library in Newtown, Connecticut, just before she graduated high school this past May. She was in a good mood. She just picked a college. Oh, it was stressful. Um, I applied to like 16. I got rejected from like 11. I just committed yesterday to Skidmore. Go thoroughbreds. Um, and Her classmate, Maggie Labanca, also committed. The other day, I'm going to be going to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in the fall um, for a double major in aerospace and mechanical engineering, which is exciting. Maggie was the co-chair of the Junior Newtown Action Alliance until her graduation. It's the student wing of a local group that pushes for tighter laws around firearms. Camille was a member, too. Camille and Maggie were third graders at Sandy Hook Elementary School on December 14, 2012, when 20 children and six educators were killed. It took them years to realize they wanted to put pressure on lawmakers to prevent what they went through at such a young age from happening again. But on May 24th of this year, just a few days after I spoke with Maggie and Camille, 19 elementary school children and two teachers were killed in Uvalde, Texas. Ten years from now, the children in Uvalde will be where the Sandy Hook elementary schoolers are today, still processing and figuring out where that process will lead them. For a number of Sandy Hook survivors, that process led to activism. This is Still Newtown from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I think only a couple years ago I realized how big Newtown is, but to me it's always felt kind of small. Maggie Labanca grew up in one of Newtown's five neighborhoods, Sandy Hook. The school is like seven minutes from my house. All of my friends live near me that went to the, uh, that elementary school, and my house is back in the woods. A trail connects her house with the home of the Barden family. And we would all play together. Like, we were just very, very close. That's Natalie Barden. So that was like our little neighborhood friendship. And every Friday we would have pizza and we'd all play games and stuff. The children of both families became friends. Natalie with Maggie's older sister. And young Maggie hit it off with the Barden's youngest son, Daniel, who was a few years younger. Here's Maggie again. So I met him when I was three. Um... We would always play outside. We always would draw a chalk on the on the driveway and play in our houses. And I always would feel comfortable just walking down to the Barton's house. I'd just walk in there, say hello, not knock on the door, grab a snack. They were very, very close. We used to always tease them a little bit, like, Maggie and Daniel, you're going to get married. And they would be so mad. But they were just best friends. Natalie was already out of elementary school by the time her brother Daniel attended Sandy Hook. But Maggie remembers the morning bus stop ritual. Our bus driver, Mr. Wheeler, uh, Daniel would start at the top of the road, and as soon as Mr. Wheeler would see him, they'd start racing. The Bardens have photos of Daniel running to meet the bus, and then he catches up with it. And the bus driver would slow down, and Daniel would always win and sprint down the road, and he'd hang from the road sign. And then when he was in first grade, um, his last year in school, our, uh, the bus stop, they used to have these evergreen trees and we would just run between it. And I just remember feeling very comfortable. And it was, it was that golden childhood that everyone talks about. I mean, I had a best friend that I would just see every day, but now I don't. Daniel Barden was one of 20 students who died on December 14th, 2012. He was seven years old in first grade. And now I don't feel as comfortable uh, walking down to the Barden's house. I don't really 
go there anymore. I was talking to his cousin about this. Um, she said the important thing to remember is that, like, he was a human. That, like, he was a kid. And that, like, he was still growing and he was still learning. And I think a lot of times, you know, you don't recognize that as much as people. You just look at these, like, angels that have passed. But he was so crazy and he was so fun. And he used just to run everywhere and play everywhere. And it was really fun to grow up with him. And I'm sad that uh, everyone didn't have more time with him. Every year, Maggie and her friends faced new reminders, most notably San Bernardino in 2015, Orlando 2016, Las Vegas, and Sutherland Springs in 2017. Camille Paradis, Maggie's friend, says the cumulative effect of all those shootings takes a toll. And that's how it is. You hear something new that happens, and you just crumble. And so, like, when Parkland happened... The shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on Valentine's Day 2018. And seeing how angry the Parkland kids were and how much they did. They took their demands for action on guns from Parkland, Florida, straight to the White House. Today, they told us all that they're just getting started. I was very grateful for them. And in a way, I felt a little guilty because we could never like do that. But the thing is that we were kids. And they're kids, obviously. They're children. But we were like little, little kids. We couldn't do anything for ourselves. And I think... It made me realize when all these other teenagers were standing up and being angry, that was the first time I was really, really angry about it, and that anger pushed me. When we spoke um, back in, uh, I guess, January or so, you told me that you had not wanted to get involved in activism for a while. Um, Why not? Well, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I had not all the way processed what had happened to me. Camille's dad was involved in local politics. She learned that people who put themselves out there as activists can run into a lot of vitriol from opponents on a hyper-politicized issue. She read comments online from people who said survivors of the shooting exaggerated their trauma, that they didn't really suffer that much. And that's even before the conspiracy theorists claimed it was a hoax. And I mean, you even have people in town who will tell you to, like, get over it. Like, sure, you weren't saying to hook what matters about that. And I was at a point in my life where I could not have my grief be questioned. I could not have my trauma and my experiences as a survivor and as a person who is friends with so many people who I see every day who are affected by it in like all of their life. And I couldn't have that be questioned by people who are opposing me. Just before the Parkland shooting, Natalie Barden, who lost her brother Daniel, became co-chair of the Junior Newtown Action Alliance, the high school club that advocated for tougher laws to prevent gun violence. Here's Camille again. Natalie was one of like the first people besides my family who I saw that was really like calm and a, a little bit more objective about it, even though it was such an emotional thing for her. And she helped me realize that I can do things to change it and that it's okay to be so angry still after all these years. Camille joined the club, and so did Maggie LaBanca. Maggie says her neighbor, Natalie, was an inspiration. I joined the club because I just thought it was really cool what Natalie was doing. And I thought, you know, she lost her brother. And if she's doing all this work, like, I can help. Um, And I felt very tied to the cause because I've always loved the Bardens. And Daniel was my best friend growing up. I don't know if Maggie would say I was a mentor, but I felt very protective of her. Here's Natalie Barden again. Because I knew that she was very closely related to the shooting. You know, she was in the school. She had heard things. She lost her best friend. 
she was very close with our family um and i knew that it was very hard to talk about that kind of thing and to be involved in activism but i was also so incredibly proud that she was even doing it at all the seeds of activism for natalie maggie and camille were planted just days after the shooting we're taking a short break and when we come back how they went from young survivors to activists to washington dc this is still Newtown. I'm J.D. Allen. And I'm Sabrina Garone. We're hosts of WSHU's podcast, Higher Ground. We put microphones in the hands of middle school student scientists. We get taught about climate change. We know about the damages that it will eventually do. But some grown-ups now don't even know what climate change is or what they could do to help. Listening to young people might give us a better chance at survival in the face of climate change. You can subscribe to Higher Ground from WSHU Public Radio wherever you get your podcasts. This is still Newtown. I'm Davis Donovan. Within days of the Sandy Hook shooting, some Newtown residents began to meet to talk about what to do. One of the groups that formed out of those meetings was the Newtown Action Alliance. The co-founder, Poe Murray, says members started almost immediately to lobby with other groups, like Connecticut Against Gun Violence, to help pass some of the strongest statewide gun laws in the country in 2013. I think we're now third because New Jersey has surpassed us. So that was pivotal because we needed to inspire other states to do the same. And other states did pass... um, you know, many legislative proposals um, during the last decade. But on the federal level, it's been a significant challenge. Less than a year after the Newtown Action Alliance was formed, students from Newtown High School wanted to get involved too, so they started the Junior Newtown Action Alliance, which later inspired the three young women you've already met. One of the founding members was Sarah Clements, a 16-year-old at the time of the shooting. Her mother, Abby Clements, was a second-grade teacher at Sandy Hook. When Sarah's high school went on lockdown, she didn't know for a while if her mom was okay. She was. And after the shooting, Abby Clements began to attend some of those early meetings of local advocacy groups. And I remember being in the car and thinking, what the hell am I doing? I was so terrified and out of my comfort zone. And um, I, I sat in a few of those meetings, even though I was absolutely not ready. And just in over my head in terms of um, my resources to take care of an 11-year-old and a 16-year-old and, and to take care of my, my surviving students every day. When Abby's daughter Sarah joined the Junior Newtown Action Alliance, Abby was worried about her daughter's expectations. And was sitting at meetings with all these adults as a 16-year-old kid who was optimistic that this was going to change. And I remember one night we were driving her back and because I was waiting in the car or outside or something. And, you know, she was like super driven and optimistic. And I like was yelling at her like, Sarah, this is going to be a long haul. Like this is, you know, and she said she was just trying to convince me to to be hopeful. 
When Abby decided she was ready, she started to work with the group Moms Demand Action, a grassroots movement for gun safety measures started after the Sandy Hook shooting. Then last year, she co-founded Teachers Unify to End Gun Violence. And she says she's proud of her former second grade students, survivors, who later became activists themselves. They are incredible. They are articulate beyond any way I could ever be articulate. They are brave. They are confident. The way they navigate this aftermath, figuring out what kind of college they want to go to, if they're in sports, where they want to go with that. I mean, whatever their passion is now and what it will evolve into, I'm just so happy that they're alive. And it breaks my heart at the same time that too many aren't, but I, I am grateful for the opportunity to watch them grow up and to see what they can do. Every year, survivors and gun control activists from around the country come together at a church in Washington, D.C. to remember those who were lost in the shooting. Natalie Barden, who lost her brother Daniel at Sandy Hook, went to the vigil last year, December of 2021. Sandy Hook survivors Maggie Labanca and Camille Paradis went too. Tonight we have a small group of survivors of gun violence in this country, and we want to take a moment to honor them, honor the people that they have lost. Michelle Morgan is the rector of the St. Mark's Episcopal Church. Take a moment to be sad, but also to take a deep breath and become more convicted to change what is happening in this country. So I ask you for your kind attention. I ask you to pay attention because these folks are the folks you should be listening to for what they have lost and what they will fight for all of us. One of the speakers that night was Camille Paradis. My life had changed in ways I didn't comprehend. At eight years old, I didn't have the language to describe what happened to me and my classmates. So thank you to the adults in this room and outside of this room that advocated for us and others and worked to make sure everyone would know our name and story even when we didn't really. Thank you to everyone in this room for fighting who those who no longer can or haven't grown up enough to be able to. I'm forever grateful. There were other survivors of gun violence from around the country at the church that day. Maggie Labanca says the survivors understood each other. They could talk to each other in a way other people couldn't. Maggie remembers there was one person in particular who survived a mass shooting at Saugus High School in California in 2019. Five students were shot. Two died. Camille and I, we just talked to her and we bonded so quickly just because we were able to talk about, you know, the same things that we had endured and it was so similar that you just felt so comfortable with someone that understood you and wasn't saying, oh, I'm sorry, that must have been so terrible. You said you got to talk to someone who said, I understand, and this is what it was like for me. I think that's like a very grounding thing to have that connection with someone. It's terrible, and I wish that I didn't have that connection with her, but it's also very comforting to know that you're not alone in this experience. Right before Maggie and Camille graduated high school this year came the elementary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. A week later, Maggie co-hosted a national gun violence protest. It took place right next to the iconic flagpole in the center of Newtown. Everyone, 
for coming here and for marching with us today. Um, and before we get started, just a couple of quick announcements. Um, over to the left, we have a banner um, to send to the Uvalde community in support after their recent shooting at the Robb Elementary School. Um, so if you have time, please go over. It's from the Newtown community just to show them that we stand with them. The big white banner was draped over a nearby table. It was covered in red hearts and the green logo of the Newtown Action Alliance. It reminded me of banners I saw in Newtown that had been sent by other communities around the world 10 years ago. People lined up to sign the banner and offered their thoughts as Maggie continued. Since then, my life has been defined as before the Sandy Hook shooting and after the Sandy Hook shooting. Before the shooting, I was a bit of a bed hog. I took up the whole space of my twin-size bed. After the shooting, I always stay curled up in the corner of my bed with a pillow behind my back. I keep a bright light on so I can see every crack and crevice of my room. Before I bury myself under covers, I take a quick scan of my room. Then I scan again, maybe just one more time, that I'm okay, most of the time. That's my life now. For 10 years, our community has been stricken with grief torn down and devastated by our losses. It hasn't gotten better, it hasn't gotten easier. But as a way to deal with my trauma, I've decided to fight for change. It's something you hear a lot from survivors and people who lost loved ones that day. Fighting for change is what's kept them going. Another speaker at the rally said it's paying off. There is hope. This movement is a movement now and it's more powerful than ever. That's Mark Barden, the father of Daniel Barden, who died at Sandy Hook. He's a co-founder of a group that works on preventative measures to stop school shootings. It's because of all of these people like you and all these communities who are doing this. And these young people right here. I was listening to my, my friend and my neighbor, Maggie LeBanca, speak. Everything Maggie just said, we should take to our hearts and keep, keep it with us and just follow those words because that's where it is. That's where it lives and that's where we should draw from, that strength. And thank you for being a model and thank you all for being a model to all of the students across the country. You are the voice. After the rally, protesters marched about half a mile down Newtown's Main Street and stopped at a nondescript office building tucked behind a drugstore. At the time, it was home to one of America's largest gun trade organizations, the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Enough is enough! enough David Stowe is, is with the Newtown Action Alliance. The idea is to come and shine a light on these people in this building and this organization, because a lot of Newtowners don't even know what this building is and who is here. Since then, the National Shooting Sports Foundation has moved its headquarters from Newtown to Shelton, Connecticut. They say it was a business decision and they wanted a more modern office. The foundation says it's dedicated to safe, responsible firearms use, including suicide prevention and keeping guns out of the wrong hands. It's distributed millions of childproof gun locks and says it's worked with the ATF to deter and prevent gun thefts. Maggie LaBanca says she's willing to work with anyone to end gun violence, including the NRA. Like I said, I don't want to do this. I just want to go to school and I'd like to be here with my friend, but he's not here anymore and 25 other people aren't here anymore and thousands of people aren't here anymore and there needs to be change. There, I mean, we need to do something. So if that requires me to keep working, then I'll keep doing that whatever way I have to. 
After the Uvalde Elementary School shooting earlier this year, President Biden signed a bipartisan gun control bill. But a survey by the Pew Research Center found most Americans are not optimistic the bill will do much to reduce gun violence. Does it ever feel like you're butting your head against a wall? Yeah, 100%. That's Camille again. She and her fellow student activists have called lawmakers to support gun laws and spoken at community meetings in Newtown. And they've done lots of interviews with reporters, hoping the attention would lead to meaningful change. And we were talking to people and we were kept going places and like yelling at them, saying like, please care about this, please care about me, please care about us, please care about the rest of the kids. And I think it gets exhausting. There is, I think, such a thing as activism fatigue. I don't really know where I'll go with it after college, um, but I hope to continue with it for, I mean, I hope that it doesn't last for the rest of my life, actually. I hope that I get to stop sometime, but if it doesn't, then I'll probably be doing it forever. On the next episode of Still Newtown, parents who lost children want to make the world a better, happier place. And it really felt like, you know what? I did something for Ben. I did something that can go on living. Still Newtown is sound designed by John Pinot. Our fact checkers are Janet Curtis, Margaret Osborne, Melanie Formosa, and Mallory Lawrence. Our editor is Cindy Carpian. Our assistant producer is Sabrina Garone. Our interns, Paul Keegan, Megan Briggs, Isabella Giardina, and Hilary Jean-Bart. The executive editors are Terry Sheridan and J.D. Allen. Our media partner is The Newtown Bee. I'm Davis Donovan. <laughs>